Yeah, uh-huh, listen up, yeah, I can see you're new to this, you ain't got no job, you ain't got no experience, you're entry level, you ain't got no qualifications, baby, you're entry level. Your entry level, baby. Your entry level. Ooh, yeah. Level. Welcome to this week's episode of Entry Level. I'm here with Nick Turner. Yeah, welcome to this week's episode of Nick's Corner, everyone. I'm here with Brooks Whelan. Wow, I'm a guest at Nick's Corner. Yeah, thanks so much for coming. How's uh, that Patreon going, the Nick's Corner Patreon? Oh, well, it's abandoned. <laughs> but someone fucking signed up dust. for it today or yesterday. Really? Yes, and so now I'm like, oh, I gotta put out a little content. <laughs> You gotta send him a mug. I gotta send. Well, they didn't sign a mug. They're not mug worthy. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's some there's some action going on over there. Well, because I I have a Patreon I'm very involved with, mm-hmm. uh, and um, for the podcast that you make money from. Yes. And then, <laughs> so you know you get an alert. You know your mm-hmm. Patreon. And boy, does that feel good. Yes, it's great. It's what really fun. feels better. It's just like hey, you got a new Patreon. It's oh, got like goodness. a little yeah. It has like the little congrats emojis yeah. in it. Oh, oh man, it feels fun. so good. Yeah. I show them to Lyra every time. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's fun. Um, so I got one, and then I went to the page, you know, because I like to see the number get bigger, uh-huh. and it wasn't there. And I was like, what, oh. what is happening? I did some, I looked all over. I kept refreshing. Refresh, where's this number? And I'm like, oh, it's a freaking Nick's Corner. My God. <laughs> well, I got to do an episode. <laughs> oh, fun. Yeah, man. Uh, well, that that's incredible. Also, yeah. guys, if you want to hear Bill Burr episode is next week. If you want to hear that right now, you can subscribe to my Patreon, and it's already out there. People are loving it. It's fun. Bill Burr. Now, was he there. funny on your podcast? I, I don't know if you can imagine this. He was. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Real, su- real surprise. But this week's Joe Kilgallen, who's a great comic from Chicago. But let's just get to some listener. But mail. you gotta admit, no Bill Burr. Well, I mean, yeah, I think even Joe would be like, Bill's pretty good. No, I mean, it's just a, it is a different person. Yes, he is a different person. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure Bill Burr's like, wait, Joe Kilgallen's very funny. Yeah. I mean, well, he, he got a tear like, Joe well, Kilgallen. No Joe, Joe Kilgallen. Yeah, he's no Joe Kilgallen. I'll tell you that right now. Joe's got a great story about how he, him and his mom got in a morning fight with a different couple. Like, him and his mom both fought. Uh, in the morning? In the morning at a Kmart. <laughs> Yes. I like the classification of a morning fight. Yeah, it's different. A morning fight is crazy. You, yeah. You don't see a lot of fist fights in the morning. Mm, I think you should see more. I mean, I'm at my most alert in the morning. Really? If I'm going to be fighting anyone, it should be at six in the morning. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, we got, he's great. This is a great episode. You're going to really enjoy it. Um, but we got this week's listener mail. Email entry level with brooksweeland at gmail.com. If you want your bad stories read, this one is just goes, uh, this this one's just from Laura. The stories aren't bad. Bad things happen in them. The stories are delightful. The stories are great. Yeah, terrible, terrible uh, events that you want. You know, be like, to. yeah, my listeners just—it's all bad stories. <laughs> but what? I gotta read something. Yeah. Hey guys, send me in shit. <laughs> <laughs> this one's from Laura, and she just has my back. She goes, "Clueless sucks." That's a dunk on you, Nick. Uh, me and Laura. Well, that's that. This was fun being on the podcast, Brooks. <laughs> but please get the fuck out of my house. Oh no! Yeah, no. I look, and I thought about why I don't like Clueless. I think it's like a little classist. 
And it's just I was, such a stupid thing to say and a, a, a dumb opinion to have. Sorry. That, what that are, I don't what like Clueless? <laughs> I, no, I realize why I don't like Clueless. I'm jealous of Clueless. I grew up in Iowa wanting to live in mm-hmm. California, going to these great high schools mm-hmm. that are like outside high schools, you know? You, you, and I went to like a fucking little cave high school. Like it was goddamn so, you just stayed in there and you huddled. It was so cold. So I was jealous. The reason I don't like Clueless is because I'm insecure about myself. Maybe it is good, but I don't like it. And I think if you liked it, it's because you had a nice high school. Yeah, I can't remember hud- having to huddle for warmth. <laughs> I, I guess that makes me rich. You never had to uh, go with all your other classmates and go into the boys' showers because a tornado was going to hit your school? Oh, yeah, that didn't come up either. <laughs> I mean, that happened I, my like favorite once, thing, a, once a month. My favorite thing about our school was that if they... If there was a forecast for um, one inch of snow the next day, mm-hmm. school was canceled. Wow. Just on a forecast. Oh, my God. Fuck you. Of course you like Clueless. It sounds like a dream. <laughs> oh, all right. Oh, uh, what was your what was your high school lunch like? We were talking about this. I went tubing this weekend. It was an Smart. incredible time. Chicken oh, sandwich fries. Chicken sandwich fries? Yeah. What? That's what I like. That's that's what I would get but, most. But were, there, were there like different stations at your high school lunch? Because... Where I went to high school, initially, it was literally you get a tray, and then there's just a scoop of food on your tray, yeah. and you go down a line, and that was uh, West Delaware, and then I went to, uh, to move to Dubuque, moving on up, and they had different stations. Blew my fucking mind. Probably would have liked Clueless if I was going to Hempstead when I saw There were not stations, but there was um, options. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just one long line, and you could get whatever wow. you wanted. Sounds, yeah, it sounds like a nice No one was just glooping up mystery meat. <laughs> <laughs> Did you gloop today? <laughs> One time they, and I remember, and email in if this happened to anybody else out there, because I've never met anyone else whose school tried to do this. They switched from milk cartons to bags of milk, but it uh, wasn't yeah. European. Is that what they do over there? They do it somewhere. It was like because it wasn't like a Capri Sun bag. It was like a Ziploc bag. It yeah. was just milk. Canada does it was bags of milk. Fucking milk everywhere. We're in like first grade. I can't get the straw through this milk. You're out of your mind. Give me that carton. It's like a sun-kissed experience. Yeah. It was terrible. Didn't work. Kids did not like it. Uh, all right. Here we go. We're ready for this week's real listener mail, which there's some questionable things happening over here. I, it's confusing. I don't know if this person's joking or what's happening, but here you go. Hello, I still work for the park system, so let's just say my name is Bob. I currently live in North Carolina. I once worked at Crater Lake National Park in Southern Oregon doing fee collection. I got to work alone, which meant taking extra long lunch breaks during the busiest time. I would sit in the booth with the shades down and watch hundreds of cars pass by um, on the camera, on the cameras getting in for free. So you just, yeah, so you're doing a bad job. You're just sleeping literally on your job. Can we also just assume that he had a coworker named Bob that he's trying to pin this on? Mm. Let's just say my name is Bob. Rodriguez, <laughs> and I currently who specifically worked with me <laughs> at Crater Lake National Park. Which also, <laughs> I've been to Crater Lake National Park. It was a fucking mess. I drove so far out of the way. We get there, I did not think to look at the weather. Cloudy, blizzarding. I saw no lake. I hung out in the fucking gift shop for about five minutes. I said, "Let's get the hell out of here." I couldn't see the lake. Did you get anything? I think I got like a, a a beer or something. You know, you you should have got a viewfinder mm. with a lake in it. Yeah, that's true. Okay, great job. You should have been on that trip. Well, the glass wasn't out. invited. Oh boy, I wouldn't. I probably would not have come. Okay, this one, this guy, right? This is where it gets a little weird. The biggest scam came from Barack Obama. <laughs> what? 
Maybe it's a different one. Uh, no. <laughs> every kid in the park. Now, every kid outdoors. Um, it was supposed to be a free year pass for every fourth grader. Park entrance was $25 for seven days, so many families took advantage of the program. Parents just had to go online and print a quote-unquote voucher, and we would give them the actual pass. The weirdest part was there was no way to verify there were actual fourth graders. So wait, if you were a fourth grader, just only fourth graders? This is so weird. Sorry, third grader, you got to pay. So we just had to look at them, think about it for two seconds, and if it felt right. I know for a fact I gave this pass to kids ranging from seven years old to 13. I don't want to judge if they were super smart or got held back a year. Yeah, that's good. You don't know what age a fourth grader is. Like, he is in fourth grade. He's a Nah, your birthday's not September. You're an October baby. Okay. We even got to the point that, uh, we even got to a point that is there, what, if there, okay, this is a little typo. If there was a child in the car, we could just give them the brochure about the program and let them in for free. And then he goes right here. Thanks, Obama. What do you do? Why are you mad at Obama? People are going into national parks for free. It's not like you're taking their $25 and sticking it in your pocket. Actually, I bet you are, Bob. I bet you are. So, sorry about that. Uh, if you want to get in the park for free, just find a child that can pass as a fourth grader. I don't think so. I don't think you're just going to snag one and be like, we're going to Crater Lake because I don't want to pay $25. Well, how does he know it's not a Billy Madison situation? You know, it's like, oh. maybe I'm in fucking fourth oh. grade, Bob. Incredible. Yes, I'm in my two weeks in fourth grade right now. Jesus. Because I want to take over the Madison Hotel yeah. franchise. Okay. Uh, Bob continues, I love the park system, but have some issues with needing to pay up to $35 sometimes to access public lands. You were just bitching about letting people in for free, and now, Bob, you're upset that you have to pay? Just let it... Well, I don't understand. You're all over the road here. And I try to avoid tourists at all costs because they are the worst. Then don't work at a national park, Yeah, Bob. you do not work in the tourism industry. <laughs> yeah, fucking maniac. Uh, I'm just ready to be 65. None of these freaking people live in this park. Um, he goes... <laughs> Don't I, I love the movies, but I I love going to the theater, but I hate movies. Um, he goes, I'm just ready to be 65. I'm currently 25 and get my lifetime senior pass and retire in an RV. Well, you only got 40 more years, Bob. What's a lifetime senior pass? So once you become 65, you get a national parks pass and you just get for the rest of your life. You get to go into. Oh, movie. you don't have to do anything. You also, just have to be 65. Yes. Well, I think you have to sign up for it. Also, listeners, I have a national parks mm. pass. It's $80 annually. You can get into every national park in America for, for $80 for the whole year. It's incredible. So just do that. How, so this one's 35 to get into? Some of them are $35 That's to get ridiculous. into. Yeah, yeah. Like I think uh, Joshua, she's like 30 bucks now. And I, you just get it one time, $70, $80 pass. It's great. It's weird that you could like stand in that part of Joshua Tree and it's free. But yeah. if you want to stand over there, it's, it's $35. It is $35, yes. <laughs> also, like, so this email in it sounded like you had a great job you didn't do much and all he had to do was say yes or no to fourth graders that's incredible um also turner here's the thing that happened to me growing up so when at the movie theater in manchester you would you know adults are you know seven dollars child 350 you know and the child was 12 and under and then you know i turned 13 and my dad's like well we're still gonna you're still gonna say you're 12 when we go to the movies i was like okay it works for 13 so then 14, hey, you know, you don't really see me. Eh? You know, What's it's like, the difference? Hey, yeah, yeah you th work for 13, you're going to be 14. I was like 16, and my yeah. dad's like, say you're 12. I'm like, I don't like I'm this. 12. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, Brooks Whelan, uh, the, it, there was a typo on my license. It, <laughs> it should say I'm nine, not 19. 
Also, uh, I forgot that I then worked at that movie theater, and they're like, you came in as a child yesterday, and now you want to work here? I do. I actually do. And that's how you see free movies. Um, Nick, anything going on in your life? What's no. happening? No. But, you know, I'm, I'm a, I have something wrong with my foot. Okay. There's a there's a, there's a stabbing pain when uh-huh. I put it, put it down mm-hmm. and walk normally. I did come. I came over to Nick's house to record this, and then he showed me at a crutch. I said, "Oh, that's too bad." Then I saw you hobble around on it. Very funny. Yeah, very funny. No, <laughs> everyone had a good laugh. Uh, so my doctor said that there was possible, like I had maybe like a piece of bone not connected to a bone, and that's mm. what was causing me irritation. Uh, I also heard the term plantar fasciitis thrown around, but I got a um. Uh, an x-ray and then I got an MRI and I'm waiting for the results. Um, But I do want to say on the plantar fasciitis tip, Mm -hmm. um, uh, I was watching the uh, Long Gone Summer. Okay. Yes. Yeah, you're going to want to. The... Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa died, right. um, where they hit all those home runs. And so, during, so many home runs. During that summer where Mark McGuire hit 70 home runs. Yes. Then a record. Uh... <laughs> I don't he, think it's the record anymore. He's well, no, of course Barry Bonds three years later. No, but I'm saying I don't think they count any. Well, of them. sure, there's a lot of asterisks <laughs> all over that page. You can barely see; it's all redacted. <laughs> anyway, during that summer, he had plantar fasciitis, and he described it as um, like you know when you put your foot down, it sounds like it feels like someone's stabbing you with a knife. Okay. Foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so I'm like, wow, that makes me really nervous. But also at the same time, he was hitting. 70 home runs. Yeah, why don't you step outside and take some pictures? Maybe yeah. you can crank them right This might now. be my rookie of the year moment. Yeah. <laughs> Nick hurt his foot and boom. It wasn't steroids. I'm going was, to get Tommy John surgery. It was plantar fasciitis. <laughs> it wasn't steroids at all. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, incredible. Well, Nick, I hope a speedy recovery. But in the meantime, baseball's Thanks. back, baby. Go go out there. Spring training. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, I got my uh, spring. No, it started. It's real. God dang. These games count. I was camping. I missed these games. All right. Well, yeah. I never watched baseball. Do you- I've watched baseball all weekend. Was it fun? I don't watch baseball, but sports are back. Mm-hmm. And so I watched like six different games. Wow. Are you betting on them? You're a betting Of course boy. I'm betting on them, Brooks. <laughs> I'm watching baseball like some <laughs> asshole. Okay, guys, uh, enjoy this episode with Joe Kilgallen. If you have any stories, email entrylevelbrooksmiller@gmail.com. You can subscribe to the Patreon. We got all sorts of fun stuff over there. Nick's Corner's still popping, and the mugs are for sale. Have a great week. Yo, hey, welcome to this week's episode of Entry Level. I'm here with an old Chicago friend, Joe Kilgallen. What's up, Brooks? How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Uh, just chilling in Los Angeles. You're in Chicago with your family, who I've met. Uh, oh, I, I came. You used, to, you used to live in Burbank. I came over, saw your baby and your wife, and you have a nice family. Thank you. I have two babies now. I've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. You have two babies? Yeah, two boys. Oh, nice. What are their names? Are they Cubs related? Either of them? No, no, no. Uh, my oldest, my eldest, which is weird because he's three to say yeah. eldest, but he was named after my dad, so his name's Matthew. Okay. We call him, we call him Maddie. Oh boy, no! Maddie oh. Ryan likes that. Oh no! It's like you named you gave him the name of our most maniac Chicago friend. Yeah, he's fitting the role early on too. Kid likes <laughs> okay. to just dive into stuff. And then my youngest son is Dylan. Great! Well, that's awesome, man. Congrats! I did not know you had a second baby. Um, well, Joe has a great podcast. It was also an incredibly funny guy. Uh, but we'll get we'll we'll plug those at the end. How's Chicago right now during all this shit? 
Chicago actually is kind of, um, you know, as comedians, we have friends across the country better than New York and LA because we actually did a pretty good job of the whole social distancing and wearing masks. So mm -hmm. Chicago is one of the few places where numbers were going down for a while. Like my wife's a nurse and was working on the COVID floor. Oh, and shoot. still works on the COVID floor sometimes. So I yeah. was like an extreme lockdown because if I got sick, we would have been so screwed. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Chicago is doing better. I mean, still a lot of stuff isn't open. No one's really doing anything. Comedy there's one comedy club doing rooftop shows, but overall, um, we're doing better than the rest of the country, but still not great, of course. Right, right. Have you done the rooftop show at all or no? I have not yet. No, I'm kind of still, you know, Dude, I'm still staying back from it. You know? Yeah, I told my, I told my reps, I was like, uh, let's not, let's, let's like n nothing in July. Just, let's just wait. Um, yeah, I'm waiting until maybe August or September, but then there might be a second wave. Who knows? <laughs> I think 2020 is cashed. Yeah, just needs to it's, about it. it's a nightmare. Uh, I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's all, what, you know what? This is a positive podcast. Fuck it. Uh, yeah. We're going to have a nice time. Joe, you're great. I remember the first time I saw you, uh, it was at the billiards room. I forget what that was called. Uh, was Pressure the, Cafe. Pressure Cafe, billiards room. And you went up. And I'm new to Chicago, and you go, all right, time for a Joe Kilgallen fighting story. And it was about how you fought a guy at a grocery store with your mom. Yeah, it was uh, Kmart specifically. That's funny like, you mentioned that, man. Well, I'm still bringing those back. <laughs> those things, those like, you know, first uh, impressions when you're new at comedy and somebody's like, has confidence, and you're just like, what? And this is not a normal stand up set. You're just like, I fought a guy at Kmart. My mom egged it on. Like, what was that story? Will you re refresh me? Oh, sure. I'll definitely refresh you. Well, it was, I call them true fighting stories because it was a true story. <laughs> and I would have been like 21, 22 at the time. So it was only a few years earlier. So I remembered it pretty fresh. Uh, <laughs> a mutual friend of ours, Brendan McGowan at the time, yeah. was doing a thing called true Hollywood stories, but they weren't true. They were like made up stuff. Uh -huh. It was always like him and some C-list celebrity did a weird thing. And they were okay. funny. Yeah. And I went up and did like, a, I tried, I mocked it like in a fun way though. Right, that. but I don't know, see, I'm not privy to the scene at all. I'm just, this is, I think this is my first show I ever did in Chicago. And I'm just like, this guy's talking about beating up people. This guy's crazy. Well, I remember my first impression of you because my you know, wife, girlfriend at the time, she had a friend who thought you were hot. Oh, incredible, great news. Yeah, and I remember being like, oh yeah, he's a good looking guy. Cause you sure. had like, you, would, you still have cool hair, but I remember your hair was a little bit it was very 2006 or seven, whatever it was, year it was. Yeah, I had I had long curly hair and I'd wear a bandana on stage sometimes. Yeah. It was embarrassing. My whole idea was like, you should go on stage exactly how you dress off stage. And turns out for me, that's not a good idea because I was wearing Birkenstocks, sh cargo shorts and a bandana. And that is not a funny guy. <laughs> I don't know, I liked it. I thought it was, a, it was refreshing to me. <laughs> Sure, this sure. guy looks so comfortable. Oh, I was very comfortable. Um, all right, but so tell the Kmart story. Here it is, here it is. So we're in a Kmart, I think I was uh, summer after graduating from high school mm -hmm. and I didn't want to go, but my mom, cause I was I over from the night before and my mom called me, I didn't live with my parents, my parents are divorced, so I didn't live with my mom. Okay. She wanted to like buy some bookcase thing from Kmart it was on <laughs> sale and, and needed me to like carry it out for her. Yes. And uh, we are in line, and again, I'm all groggy. I'm at the back of the cart where you push. She's at the front kind of helping me along because I was, I was such a whiny little teenager not wanting to be there. And she's looking at magazines or something and must have just kind of went forward before she should have, and she stepped on the guy in front of her as like the back of his foot. Okay. And like his ankle. 
And he turned around and started like mumbling something. And then she was like, well, sorry. And I saw him kind of like do like a, like an intimidation, like kind of like, you know, fox, like go at her. This is a you know, Chicago, make someone flinch. This is such a Chicago story. Yeah. And well, he had a real strong, like Eastern European accent. So he might've been like, yeah, I, in the joke, I said that he was Prussian because yeah. he no longer, his country doesn't exist anymore. That's how much this guy sucks. Okay. I don't even know if that line would fly in today's culture. <laughs> Uh, I also don't know how true that is. Like, Prussia kind of just became Germany. I don't know. It did. I just thought it was funny to give him a country, like an act. I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to give it a specific country right. because of whatever reason, so I thought it'd be fun to make one up. No, it's um, good. And you're right. Prussia did become Germany, I think, historically. <laughs> you are correct, Brooks. It kind of so, fucked shit up pretty good, actually. That guy uh, did a great job of ruining things twice. He did. So I then was like, what the hell did you say to my mom? And then he mumbled, He said something to me, and I just saw red and lost it. <laughs> And I went towards him, I like, I shoved him and then he shoved back. And then it was like, you know, it's a, it's a Kmart aisle. They're not why you don't have a lot of room to be throwing punches or anything. Yeah. So I got him, I got him in a headlock and then I just went back and DDT'd him. And I, I did. And I, I remember in the joke saying, I would have tried to swing a neck breaker, but I didn't have the space. You, you know, <laughs> DDT'd him? I DDT'd a grown man because so I was technically a grown man. <laughs> I forgot about that part. Remember? I, yeah. No, I mean, that's probably why it stuck out so much. It's the most insane moves to really do in a play. What was insane about it, especially, was that I remember when I landed it, hearing some people go, oh, <laughs> like, shit. Like, they're yeah. like a cheer. It got a little bit of a pop, as they so, say in, you know, the rest so of was the it, So was it more of like... <laughs> no, I didn't protect him. I did not protect oh. him. Because oh when God. I rolled him <laughs> over, he was bleeding. So I, we I, need to... We need to explain what a hard tile floor. We need to explain what a DDT is to the listeners who don't, who aren't in the know of Jake the Snake Roberts. It's an illegal move in professional wrestling now, uh, where you have the guy's head. Yeah, you have the guy's head, uh, you in like in underneath your armpit, but it's sticking out behind your back, and then you fall on your back. So the man's head is crushed under your back, and yeah. you did that in a Kmart because a guy mumbled at your mom. <laughs> He mumbled and then kind of like okay. gave a little, he, he scared her. He intimidated okay. my mother and that was enough. It was I felt justified. Incredible. This is an incredible story. I'm so glad I brought it back. Well, the best part, let me just, I'll wrap it up very quickly, was that when, like, you know, he rolled over and he, because he was kind of winning. That's why I had to throw the headlock and get the desperation <laughs> move. He, he kind of had some positioning on me. Okay. And then uh, when I rolled him over, he was bleeding and, I was like, do I get a few more shots in or is it oh, over? It's over, yeah. right? I'm not like insane. It's not UFC <laughs> like going to the whistle. But then his like the, his wife who was with him, who's a very large woman, she starts like hitting me. And then when she like she got me like one shot, and then when she wound up for the second one, my mom blasted her. My mom came in and popped her. Oh and my I'm like, God. what is happening? And then um security <laughs> broke it up. They went sprinting out. They left the store right away. I don't know oh. if they like stole something or, or just didn't want to stick around. Oh, wow. And then um, the checkout woman was on our side right away. She was like, no, they started it and all this. And oh. uh, so, yeah, so, it's a pretty so nice you, little bonding moment. <laughs> no shit. In the morning, a morning fight. It's probably about 1030 in the morning tops. I, I just had Chris Fairbanks on and he was talking about how in Montana there would just be fights. And I said, the only time I've seen just fights break out was when I was at the Southside Irish Parade in 2005. And it was literally just like, I was with some guys and they're like, those guys go to a different high school. We got to go fight them. And I was like, what? Okay. Yeah, they ended up canceling that parade for four or five <laughs> years because of all the fights. They had one year 
on the South Side St. Patrick's Day Parade where there was like 107 arrests and something like 78 of them were people who don't live in the city of Chicago. Yeah, I mean, they, it yeah, was, they had to let it go. It was it was wild. I, we all um, we got caught. Well, we were blasting music it's like six thirty in the morning, and then the cops came. We all we were all underage. And we ran into a garage. That was a terrible idea. And I was like, "Well, they can't arrest us all." And then my friend from Chicago goes, "You have never heard of a paddy wagon," which and, is also like an Irish slur in a sense. <laughs> paddy. Oh, yeah, I never even realized that. That's true. That's why they call it that, the paddy wagon. They throw all the drunk Irish people in there back in the day. Wow. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Great stuff. Okay. So we got a good sense of who Joe used to be. Now he's a dad. He's a great guy. He's an incredible comic. You grew up in Chicago. I'm sure you had some fucking weird jobs. What was your first job, Joe? My very first job was little league umpire. Okay. That was what I did when I was like 15. And I was also a camp counselor, Uh which you could do at 15. And uh, that was fun, but it wasn't good for me because, again, I, I was a feisty, I had a little bit of a temper, so I'd get into arguments with coaches. I ejected a few coaches. Oh, my God. So you're 15. You're throwing adults out of Little League games. I did, yeah. I would give them a strong warning, too. I didn't mess around too early on. Wow. I tried to, these Little League, they can't throw these kids. So it was all walks or strikeouts. Right. And the games would go on forever. And every now and then you'd get a coach who would, like, complain about a call. And I'm like, your team's up by nine. It's getting dark out. Can we all move on? Even the kids were like, yeah, let's wrap it up. We, they didn't want to be there that long. Wow. There some psycho parent. This is incredible. Just the, um, the confidence you had as a 15-year-old is incredible. I, I, coached, I did one game, and I, I was yelled at by parents, and I go, I cannot handle this. Um, that's well, my great. confidence comes from the fact that I was bullied when I was a kid. Okay. I had a growth spur and realized, oh, wait, I, I don't have to put up with shit from these people. Yeah. Like, people who would bully me that were like two grades older – I shot up. I grew like seven inches in a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, I'm because I was like, I think I was five, ten in eighth grade. So you were like in eighth grade as big as you are now, kind of almost. Yeah, basically, I think I'm about six one. So I stopped growing like eighth grade freshman year. And then the people who used to pick on me, I was like, oh, you can't do that anymore. Yeah. And then I think I just kind of kept carried that through. Yeah. High school. That, and, yeah. Well, that's that's great. Oh, I also want to just give listeners, um, since we're doing off Zoom, you have so much Cubs stuff. You're a huge Chicago Cubs fan. How did you handle? the World Series win? Because I haven't seen you since then. Um, we probably saw each other sometime in 2017 because I moved back from L- my, my eldest Wait, were, in L.A. And I were you here? After. Oh, okay. You were here when I, they won. I was, I was living in L.A., but I oh, actually, okay. was actually in New York. I was in Brooklyn. Okay. Because I, I had to go out to do some job interview thing for a Bleacher Report, uh, which I don't work for them, so clearly that didn't work out. Okay. You got a trip to New York, get to do some sets. That's fun. Yeah, I did some sets. And uh, what was funny about it was I, um, I was at the Community Show in New York. So when they won, the first person I saw was Mike Leibovitz. Mike Leibovitz, you know Lebo, right? Yeah, yeah, I love him. Um, yeah, I like, I was so excited. I picked him up and he's a bigger guy. I picked him up and I didn't know what to do with him. So like, I pushed him towards a wall and then I pretended to hump him. Yeah. And, uh, and he had the best line. He goes, I haven't been fucked that good since 1908. Oh, wow. Oh, man, that's a great. See, I'm glad I asked that. I got goosebumps from a positive Chicago friend uh, experience. Yeah, I was I was pretty jazzed. And I remember going to a bar in Manhattan right afterwards because we were in Brooklyn called Kelly's where I met up with some other Chicago comedians. And that's like uh, my two things. It was an Irish Cubs bar in Manhattan. Yeah. And when I walked up, I I got out the like the I was on the wrong side like where I let the Uber out and um I could hear them singing We Are the Champions from half a block down. Oh yeah, incredible. Yes. And then when I got up to the bar, they had this big burly Irish guy from Ireland bouncing, and he was like, 
He just fucking get in here, lad. Oh, get the fuck in there. And he didn't even card me. He just like threw me in there. And when I was, it was crowded. I, literally everyone you walked by was high-fiving. Strangers were kissing, hugging. It was, it was it's beautiful. That's incredible. I remember when, when I lived in Manhattan, there was a, um, I lived on uh, at, like off Avenue C. And on Avenue C, when you walk down, there is a Brazilian uh, bar. And then right next to it was a German bar. Um, like literally it's called like zoom schneider's one and then the other i forget what the brazilian one was like you know some um portuguese word and it was during the uh world cup semifinal where germany went up 6-0 and the difference on the same like one bar was like that's the most fun bar i've ever seen in my life like the brazilian the brazilian the germans were up six nothing and I was like, I got to get in that bar. And then I walked past the Brazilian bar and it was like, literally a funeral was happening. They were just, <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is fucking dope. I love New York fires, man. They're so fun. Okay. They were fun. Yeah. All right. So, so you're umpiring, not much happening besides you have a lot of confidence. You're throwing people out and you're a camp counselor. How's that? Camp counselor was fun um, for an extent, but again, like I, <laughs> I'm very pasty. So being outside all day, I don't think was the best thing for me. Um, there were some people who took the job way too seriously. You know, you're working with, and it's kids. So you got to be like, you know, you're watching kids, making sure no one gets hurt or anything like that. Um, but, you know, sometimes you have to let kids be kids too. And there would yeah. be some supervisor being like, you can't climb the tree. And it's like, it's a tree. We're in a big park. <laughs> where? It's safe. Yeah, where were you doing this at? A park called Portage Park, which is on Irving Park Road in like Central Avenue. <laughs> okay. Um, northwest side of Chicago, probably about a mile and a half west of the Irving Park Blue Line. Okay, I always great. like to reference the blue line for people who aren't from Chicago, you know? Because yeah. then they well, go, oh, I know where that is. Well, I don't. And I even hung out there for a second. Um, uh, okay. So any, any, day, any kids get hurt at all or no? Just pretty, pretty vanilla experience. Um, pretty vanilla. There, I mean, there'd be some fights here or there. One kid almost drowned because we had a pool. What? Go on but with that. Was on the, that was on the lifeguard. That was okay. totally on the lifeguard. There was one lifeguard who was such a dick and worked there for a long time. It made me not want to swim because I'll open up with your listeners, everybody. Okay. Um, I hate being shirtless. And it's not just because of my pasty torso. It's because I have like a concave chest, like my ribs go in, you know? Okay. Yeah. And, and you know, was, as a kid, people gave me a lot of shit for it. We had a kid, we had, there was a kid on the wrestling team who had that. We, his name was Crater. Crater. See, that's a funny yeah. one. I, I would have actually appreciated anything like that. I didn't <laughs> okay. ones like that. We liked Crater. He's cool. But yeah, it was like, yeah, man, Crater got a fucking win today. It was dope. Well, I wrestled only freshman year. I wrestled freshman year. And the singlet with the in-cave chest does not work. That's why, That's how we came to be Crater. It's very noticeable. Okay. Very so go, noticeable. So go on. So you are a deformed weirdo and you're insecure I'm, about it. <laughs> I'm a freak. And, I, and the one lifeguard would always like point it out and be like, give me what? shit. I'm like, what are you, like 21? <laughs> I was like 10. I was 10 when he first started doing this. And I lived around the block from this park. So I went there all the time. Yeah. And then eventually I just kind of like, I, I knew one kid, one kid shoved him off the thing now, which I thought was cool. But he, was just a, he was a dick. He would give kids a hard time. And then whenever they mouthed off back, he would be like, well, who's your counselor? I'm going to talk to your counselor. And oh, then try wow. to get them in trouble. So he's such a weirdo. Okay. And um, yeah, so I just couldn't stand that guy. Uh, and then he, oh, he was just almost let a kid drown one time? Yeah, I mean, because he was probably talking to people and not paying attention. <laughs> and then someone was like, help that kid. Yeah. And then um, he had to go save uh, – the one kid, and then we found out later he wasn't, I think, no, he wasn't even a camper. That's what the funny part was, because they would have the one swim would be mixed with the public. Right. 
we'd have like a morning swim sometimes, which was just the camp. And then the afternoon swim would get mixed with the public. And it was um, like my neighborhood growing up was pretty, not like it was diverse in the sense there was immigrant groups. Like uh, it was a lot of, there was like maybe 35% Hispanic, uh, but not just like Mexican, different countries. And then like a lot of Polish because it's Chicago, of course. Right. And then a lot of Eastern European countries. So I think it was like a language barrier thing. But I remember like an older woman who's probably like in her 50s, maybe 60s, maybe a grandma who was just losing it. And I'm like, I hope they fucking fire this guy. I kept thinking, this is the, this has got to be it. How many, because if this guy was a lifeguard today, there would be tweets about this guy to get yeah. him fired and it would have been done. Uh, well, That's one positive about Twitter, I guess. About cancel culture. We can cancel bad, mean lifeguards. I'm 10. Yes. I'm, I'm insecure. He's 21. He's an asshole. He has a 16-year-old's job. Uh, okay. <laughs> so what's your first, like, legit, real job, though, that, that you get then after this? Okay. Well, I had several different jobs. I'll start off with the retail job. Okay. Um, this would have been... 18, 19 years old. So I didn't go away to college. I just went to a local community college and um, I worked at a guess, a guess clothing Ooh, store. That's, that's fun at that age. Cause that, those are the, that's the gear you want. It, I like the jeans. I love the jeans. Yeah. It was an old orchard. It was at the old orchard mall and they were playing, they had a mix of songs that I couldn't stand because they got played on a loop. No, we have then, a we had we had a whole we had a whole bonus episode about so, so, it's called songs jobs have ruined uh, and it's just like you know like what is the song like what was what's like a song for you when you hear it transports you back to that fucking mall that Franz Ferdinand song yes exactly everyone has like a specific just like oh fucking I'm a guest now god damn it yes it will always take me right back there and oh. um, and then. Uh, all American Rejects, one of their oh, early swings, songs. That swing, swing. Yes, that one. Yeah, that, one, that was the one. Because I, I actually, like a couple of their songs. Right. I actually became friends with um, the lead singer. He lives up the street. He's like fucking awesome. Uh, oh, cool, nice. Yeah, and I'm like, like I, I after we hung out, I like went back and like listened to that album, that album again. I was like, this album is incredible. Um, yeah, they I, had some hits. They had some really good songs. I should, but this was like a few years ago. I should hit him up to do this podcast. This is a great idea. Um, Absolutely. Uh, cause that dude is cool. He's like, he does that. He's an actor now. I think he's just a very handsome, cool guy. Uh, I felt very cool hanging out with him. Um, and then I went back and I went back and listened to swing swing. And I was like, this is a banger. I like this song, (laughs) but I didn't have it ruined by my guest job. So you're working at the mall folding jeans. I saw what I went in there to get a a job as like a stock guy. Cause I knew a girl who was like an assistant manager and she was like, Oh, we're looking for someone. And in that job, I think the stock boy would have been like nine bucks an hour, which at the time was like, oh, that's pretty good. You know, I'll that's take great. it. That's great. Yeah. And then they, I interviewed with um, two women who were probably like mid-20s, um, both like what you'd imagine people who run a guest store would look like. They're both very attractive. Yeah. I remember the one girl's name was Brooke. And they were like, well, you have a great personality. We want you on the sales floor. We could use another guy on the sales floor because it's all women right now. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I found out that was like seven fifty but then you'd get like a bonus or two, which was really hard to me. And so I was kind of like, well, this sucks, but I would have fun with it. All the mannequins were headless. Yeah. So I remember I would have my armor on the one mannequin cause you'd like have your spot. Like you stand there, you stand there. When people come in, you could greet them as they go through this section and that section. And I'd have my armor on the one headless mannequin and people would walk in and I'd go, Hey, she's pretty hot from the neck down. Whoa. Stupid stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but you're having mannequin. fun at work. You're bored. It was fun. I had fun with that. It was a fun job until it really wasn't fun anymore. Yeah. 
And then I left that. Well, can I, can I get a, can I just give a guess of what happened? Like you're having fun, you're having fun. Everybody's kind of fucking slacking off maybe a little too much. And then it just one day out of nowhere, your boss is like, okay, we are changing everything. Is that what happened? Yeah, basically. And I know it wasn't even the boss's fault. There's this one other girl who was like top saleswoman every week. And I think I challenged her one week and then she looked at me as competition. Oh, and, shit. and then it became one of those things where, and dude, you know what killed me? All these jobs that seem fun on the surface, what kills you is the side work. I like being a waiter and I like bartending. I hated rolling silverware. I hated mixing ketchups and stupid things like that. Right. So, but at guess you'd have to put all the clothes back on the hanger because people who shop, they don't do that well. So we have to like reassess everything. And a lot of, it was a summer job. So all these little stringed up clothing was hard to put on. I'd, I'd be like, all right, I'm putting that one back on. And then six yep. other things would fall. And there were times uh, where I'm like, I'm going to fucking throw all this shit. Yeah. There were times where sometimes I would just kick a shirt because I, I had like all this <laughs> stuff in my hand. And I just, I would lose it. And I think they started to sense that. And that's when, and then when they were starting to clamp down on us having a good time. They were the like, time, they, they were like, well, I saw Joe kick a shirt today. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was, <laughs> they're like, you can't kick the product. I'm like, yeah. all right. Okay, Without but you're, you're going to say there was one time that what happened? We were, Illinois was, it was like the uh, college basketball NCAA tournament. Illinois had this great comeback against Arizona. And we had the game on, me and the other, they had another, they hired another guy after that. And we had like a little radio off to the side past the changing room. And like we would take turns checking it out. And when they, they were down like 16 points with like three minutes left. And yeah. he comes running out, they tied. I'm like, they fucking tied. We were like, because yeah. it, was, it, was it was one of the most insane comebacks in the history of sports. And that was kind of like, we got some trouble for that. I got like a check mark or whatever warning system they have. Sure. And then the next day I went into a Menards and applied because I knew a guy who worked there, got me the job. And then I quit. I know you asked this question. I quit Gus in one of my favorite ways. Nothing like insane, but how I got my last check. I've told people this story and they'll think Ooh, it's kind of funny. I can't wait. I can't wait. So I went in and I said, hey, sorry, I'm, you know, here's my two weeks notice. And they're like, okay, you know, it's a bummer, but we understand. They had me like on the schedule for like the, like they used me up the next two weeks, which is weird because everyone tells me most people just say, all right, peace, you don't need to work the last two weeks. Right, they were like, Look, we're going to fucking work him to death. Yeah, it was so dumb. So I think I worked one more shift and then the next day I called in saying, hey, I can't work, I broke my ankle. Sure. And then this was before... They were like, all right, you know, then they called me going, oh, your last check's in. Can you come pick it up? And I needed the money badly. I didn't, I couldn't wait for them to mail it. And I knew right. who was in charge there. They were going to rush mail it. And I was, I was in a transition of getting jobs. I'm like, I need this money. You know, I, I had like yeah. some concert I wanted to go to or something. And um, so you had to fake an ankle. You had to fake a broken ankle? Yes. I broke my leg when I was a sophomore in high school. Okay. And I had the crutches still so I, I just i went to a walgreens and bought like a wrap and i just wrapped it all up to make it look all puffy at yep. the ankle and then i crutched in oh my and, gosh and this was the mall so i crutched in and they were like oh how did it happen i'm like oh it was a stupid thing i missed a stare and like you know i was holding groceries i, I can't remember what bullshit i gave them right and uh my favorite part though was i when i crutched out i uh there was a victoria's secret across the way yeah one of my wife's good friends worked at and she saw me crutching out of the store and then she texted or called my wife going, Oh my God, what happened to Joe? And my wife's like, what do you mean? She's like, I saw him on crutches. And she's like, Oh my God. And then my girlfriend at the time, now wife, uh, that's how long we've been together, called me up going, what happened? What happened? You know? And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, I have a friend who saw you on crutches. 
I'm like, oh shit, that was just to get a check. <laughs> just oh like, my what? god, yeah. Because I literally crutched across the parking lot, looked around, <laughs> put them over my shoulder, and just started yeah. walking like, oh, that's threw them in my trunk and laughed. That's incredible. That is a very heartwarming story. No, that's so, you're like, I fucked up. Well, come on in and get your check. Ah, oh, God damn it. Now I really fucked up. The lengths you go to to carry out a good lie, right? Oh, incredible. Okay, and then you go work at another mid, well, not the guess Midwest staple, but a Midwest staple is fucking Menards. Yes. Menards is like a Home Depot, everyone. Yeah. Worse. That, well, that job, I, I, no, I no, called, no show to end that job. I just stopped going. I don't think Menards donates to trump at least that i know of so oh I, yeah yeah i forgot about home depot uh, yeah, home depot, yeah, menards, home depot. yeah i don't i just Men, know menards um, is like a home Depot. like home depot is to a like giant record store what menards is to like a boutique record store it's like a hardware place you go to and you they might not have hammers today you know what i mean like, yeah i was yeah, at one of the bigger ones though in the midwest we would brag oh, okay. about that we're like we have twenty five thousand square feet and there were parts of that job that were fun for a little bit, but Wait, I've never talked to somebody who worked in a big in a big store like that. Are you act? Because when I go to like a Home Depot or or Lowe's, it's fucking impossible to get anyone to help you. Are you actively like staying away from customers who need help when you work there? Um, no, I wasn't because talking okay. to customers helped things go by quicker and it gave me less projects to do because if we didn't interact with customers, they would find stupid busy work for you to do. Okay. And that was annoying. So I actually liked talking to customers. I worked in uh, the building's materials. So I'd get people like two by fours if they needed it or if they needed like drywall slats or, you know, all sorts of different things like that. Anything to build stuff, I'd try to like help them with it. Okay. I'm no expert in that. So sometimes I'd be like, oh, well, what you want to do is, um, and then I would probably screw up their project many a time. Well, yeah, that, I mean, it is weird how you got that job with no training and I'm sure no training. And then people are like, I'm building a deck, help me. And you're like, uh, I guess this vest makes me a professional. Yeah, the only thing with stuff, so they did have a computer where someone had a deck work. We'd be like, oh, so what are the measurements? And they'd be like, oh, I'm doing an eight by six. I could type that in and it kind of gave you an estimate of how many pieces of, Two, like how many two by fours you need so that helped i suppose okay but what killed me about that place and why i just stopped going was i had several times where because this was now we're going to fall so i'm back in classes where they would have me work till midnight and then have me open the next day at 6 a.m and i'm like dude you're not even giving me the opportunity to get eight hours sleep and i'm pretty sure fdr made a law against that <laughs> 60 years ago or something and then they, they just kept my schedule was so bad one day i was just like i'm not going anymore Okay, that's it. That that yeah, and then I was I played poker for like four or five months after that. Wait, what? You yeah, so, I did, I, dude, you, I got into some underground poker games, my friend. Well, C.J. Sullivan got you into some underground poker games. Well, when I met him, I I didn't know him yet. Oh, really? So this yeah, is a, I, this is not a, one game at one time. Uh, okay, all right. So you got into underground Chicago poker games to make, and you were honestly making money. I was. I was probably making like not, not a lot, maybe six hundred, five, six hundred bucks a week. But that's incredible. How does this happen? What hap How do you go from Menards to Rounders? <laughs> I, I so Texas Hold'em was super popular. This would have been 2005, I believe. Yeah. And uh, I, I had a couple friends who hosted games, so I played in those games. And then they knew a person or two. And then I got into one. I almost, there's another fighting story for you. There's a bar <laughs> called The Hidden Shamrock in Chicago on okay. Halstead, it's near the Laugh Factory Comedy Club. It's on Halstead in Diversity. And uh, I went, I played in the basement there. There was a game and they had uh, like two or three tables going. And I brought a friend who I was 
I knew through poker and we were at the same junior college together. Okay. And nice enough guy, but he was a guy that rubbed everyone the wrong way after a while. <laughs> he, he went by the name Irish Mike. Okay. That's not a good nickname. If you're Irish no, it's Mike, not. it's it like, was, that's, it's never good if you're like that. I'm just guessing that means he fights people. No, he doesn't. He, he, <laughs> he, he puts it so that other people have to fight on his behalf because they feel obligated to because they brought him there. He okay. was a, a pear-shaped kid who – here's where I can tell you he was kind of a bad guy. He's grown up since, and I've, I've run into him probably one – I feel like every 18 months I've run into this guy, and I think he's a better dude now. Okay. But back then, I'll never forget this. So we hung out in between classes – at the, the local junior college it's called Wright College in Chicago. And there was a McDonald's across the street. On, it was on Montrose. And one time he was like, hey, I'm going to go to McDonald's. You want to come? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm good here. Because I think I had a magazine or something. I was fine. Yeah. And he's, he, his response was, dude, if it's about the money, I'll, I'll get you a meal. <laughs> and I'm like, no, asshole. I just don't want to go to McDonald's. You, you don't think I can afford a number two, dickhead? I just don't want to go to McDonald's with you. And he turned, because his, he came from some money. So that's why he would always flex that too. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you know, and I, I would middle-class blue collar. So I always felt like he kind of like, yeah, you have that Midwest. Uh, you think you're better than me vibe. <laughs> yeah, that, I yeah. do. <laughs> I'll own yeah. that. I'll own that. Out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everyone. That's how um, I feel like anytime my dad visits Los Angeles, the whole time he's here, he's just like, they think they're better than me. Like he doesn't say <laughs> it, but he just is a little tense and he's like really ready to go off. He's like, you're not better than me. Like, uh, so, which is great because I'm super Chicago, which I get from my dad's side, and my mom's from Iowa, your town. So, wait, where's your mom from in Iowa? She's from Cedar Rapids. Aren't you from there? No, I, I was born there. Oh, you're uh, born there. Okay. Grew up in an hour, hour north of there. Uh, and you're wearing a Cedar Rapids Colonels um, t shirt. Uh, I mean, hat. They're, uh, yeah, they're, hat. they're double A, right? Are they triple A? No, they're single A, actually, for the, single a. Okay. For the twins. Single A for the twins. Okay. And I got to throw out a first pitch at a game last year. Oh, fun. That's yeah, cool. I was doing I was doing a show in Cedar Rapids, and uh, my mom kind of helped set it up. But it was you doing, you doing penguins? I know I was not doing penguins. Uh, my annoyed with penguins. Uh, I, I someone sure. said because I put on my own show, but I put on my own show and made I think just as much money. No, you did, you did. Uh, yeah. I I I love penguins and um like really fucking owe them my comedy career because you know I worked there and stuff, and it's a great comedy club in Cedar Rapids. But and I worked uh, at a bunch too. I headlined there a few times. I loved it, and then yeah. um. Well, well, yeah, like Je the the owner who's, who's a nice guy, but he's like, "Hey, you in town like for Christmas?" He's a nice guy, yeah. Yeah, I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Do you want to do the show?" I'm like, "Well, fly me out there." Like, I'm not just gonna do it because I'm in town. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, also, I'm here for Christmas. I don't want to come do comedy. Um, all right, and plus the good penguins flooded in the flood of 2007. Did you ever do the when it was in the basement? No, I only did, I didn't do it back then, but people said it was better. When it, it was the. Quit, like, t think of a 1980s comedy club, and that was it. Like, smoke was, like, in the wall six inches. It was fucking great, and it flooded, and it. And then they moved it, which never is – just to me, it's never the same. Unimportant. Uh, shout out to OG Penguins. Um, but back to how this guy, Irish Mike, got you in a fight. Yeah, so here's how the fight almost happened when I was working as a poker player. Okay. Uh, we were down in the, yeah, the basement of this bar. It felt like rounders. This was because other ones were all at houses and stuff like that. Yeah. And this was like the basement of the bar where it was all concrete walls and everything like that. He apparently, people suspected him of cheating the whole time. The whole time. <laughs> we were at different tables, though. So we were, we were seated at different tables. And this was actually a, a tournament. And then they had like separate cash games, but the actual tournament 
was still going on for Texas Hold'em poker. If, you, if everyone listening is familiar with the style of play. Yeah. I then, he made it to the final table. So I think it was like six to eight people left. I was standing actually talking to other people. And someone who was suspect of him, I'm, he, I was behind him. So maybe at one point, or you no, know, I was behind someone else. So maybe at one point, I just inadvertently itched my elbow. Okay. I probably do. And someone <laughs> was like, hey, what was that? And I was literally like, what? I didn't know who he was talking about. Like, me? He's like, yeah, well, you give him signals? And then he just started going, I don't appreciate that shit, man. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I don't appreciate He just kept saying, I don't appreciate that. Oh, and I was no. like, what the hell are you talking about? And not him, but his friend grabbed a pool cue and went to swing it at me. Oh Luckily, God. I moved out of the way and someone else grabbed him. And then they had to like separate it all. And then the one guy was worried about my safety because I didn't know. I only knew one other guy there besides Irish Mike who I brought along for the ride. Oh, geez. And uh, yeah, we, we had to go upstairs. And then he brought me upstairs to separate it. And yeah, then the guy. Somebody, somebody swung a little pool cue at you in a bar, in a, in a poker fight. This is insane. But the guy probably wasn't that tough because he swung the thin part of the pool cue. That right. way it hit me. Yeah. A real tough guy hits you with a thick part. <laughs> sure. Okay, These are okay. the things you pick up along the way. <laughs> that's, that's an entry level exclusive. Um, I was I was just at a bar recently with Nick Rutherford up in uh, this place called um uh, fucking. I just Lo- saw a picture of myself with Nick a couple of seconds ago. Oh, He's the best. Thing. Awesome. We were in we were up in Lone Pine and we got drunk at this bar. And it's you know it's like uh, Eastern Sierra's tiny little mountain town. And we were hammered. And then I, me and Nick were shooting pool. And then I saw another pool cue on the on another table. And I'm like, holy shit! This place has amazing pool sticks. And I'm playing with it. Then some big fucking guys like, give me my fucking pool. I didn't realize I took some guy's personal fucking pool cue that he brings to the bar and was just like yeah 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 i was like doing fucking darth maul shit with it this is like months ago <laughs> he's like give me my fucking pool stick and then me and me and nick left pretty quick after that those guys are sensitive with that yes you ever, you ever take someone else's bowling ball when oh my bowling ball yeah dude do not you're gonna you're gonna uh chink it what or whatever they say yes there's yeah, yeah. it's a sin in their world i got yeah I've, I've talked about it before i got um you know those really nice bikes like like the like kind of um like a gangster bike that's got like chain for the handlebars oh uh, yeah yeah i got choked off one of those from a papa john's driver that when i worked at <laughs> papa john's because i didn't know how sensitive he was about this bike he did not want me riding it uh yeah he, said, oh, he choked me and i was a child and he was an adult man um yeah. first guy i smoked weed with though pretty cool guy so they're always uh, cool until they choke you right? yeah i think he i think he smoked me up after he choked me because he's like ah, i kind of overreacted i choked that guy um, oh, well that's perfect segue then because when they dragged me upstairs to the main bar the guy who swung the pool cue he came up said he was sorry bought me like a drink and a shot and said hey listen man i other people told me they were playing with you they said you were cool as hell no one suspects you of doing anything but just we don't like your boy okay <laughs> we don't like your boy and when i i'm sure it was a coincidence but when I saw that, there was just so much, everything was boiling up, dude. He kept going, it was boiling up, man. And you see the, I wish the hand gestures I'm doing right now, everyone, <laughs> yeah. it's someone who says, boiling up, man, boiling yeah. up. And I was like, no, dude, I'm sorry. I, I regret bringing him. He's been annoying me lately too. And you know, really topped it off for me. When I walked in, I knew this other guy, this guy, uh, Brandon. He was like a friend of a cousin's. I didn't know him that well, but he told me about the game because I met him in a softball game. That's how you round if you want to become a poker player, any little game you hear about, you get their number, you make those contacts. That's how right. you could do it, you know? Okay. So uh, I introduced him. I go, everyone's my friend, Mike. I introduced him as Mike. <laughs> but 
10 minutes later, everyone was calling him Irish Mike. Okay. He then reintroduced himself, <laughs> calling me Irish Mike. Anyone who does that is not a good person. That's insane. I'm like shaking. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Actually, it's Irish Mike. Usually, you'd be like, actually, it's just Mike is would be fine. You you know what I mean? Usually, you go the other way with that. This is Irish Mike, guys. It's just Mike. I'm trying to kind of lose that. Uh, all right. Irish Mike cheats at cards. Right? <laughs> Mike, who knows? Who knows? Irish Mike definitely cheats at cards. Oh, incredible. Okay, so uh, so what do you do after poker? I mean, you have to be starting to get into comedy around this time. I am starting to get into comedy around that time, and then I was waiting tables at a Longhorn Steakhouse. Okay. But which they had in a suburb just outside of Chicago that I would take the bus to. Or No, I got a car at that point. So you, did you dig that job? It sounded like you kind of liked it. I was there for a good year and a half. I actually loved the people I worked with. Um, they were all really cool. I only stopped because I, to make money doing that, you had to work a lot of night shifts and I was getting more into comedy. Yes. So then I became, a, you're gonna love this, I became a mortgage loan officer with zero experience in finances. <laughs> Dropped, I was the only person there who didn't have, no, me and my friend, my friend who got me the job, we were the only two people who worked as mortgage loan officers that didn't have a college degree. My friend was a really good salesman though and that's how he got it. And then when he got me the interview, he was like, just bullshit, dude. Do your best bullshitting. And he goes, read this book. I read, I skimmed like a mortgage book. So I knew what like the terms were. I knew what like a APR was and like a fixed yeah. rate and, you know, closing costs. So I was just, you know. Using those that. words. Yeah. Buzzwords. And then they hired me. I didn't close one deal. And, um, <laughs> and then the bottom fell out. Then the, the crash happened. But I, I came up with a lot of jokes off of it because there'd be conference calls where you'd, you'd hear a voice. And the guy would turn it into, I would, I, was, I would always whisper over my friend, and I'll see you at SummerSlam. Because the guy who was doing the conference calls would be like, I see what the people on the news are saying, that the housing market's going to crash, but we don't believe that shit, do we? And then some yeah. people would clap, and I'm like, well, this is fucking embarrassing. Oh, so wait, so you, they were like cutting WWE promos. They were, and they were trying to be like, you tell everyone out there that the real estate market has never been better, and that's just a lie, Oh my and they don't God. know what they're doing, and, and we here will give them, because they specialize in subprime. It was Dude, all did subprime. you, have you seen, I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen The Big Short then. Yes, I have, and, I, how, and those how was two that? dudes, The Big Short's great, and the accuracy of the guy who was in, I forget the actor's name, but he was on New Girl, um, you know when they go down to Florida and they talk to like those two brokers? Yes. And they were like, dude, I don't even verify their job anymore. I can get them. That's how easy it was. I remember the first time, because we went through LendingTree. So sometimes, you know, people would like sign up for LendingTree and then you could call and they're, they're expecting your call. So it wasn't like cold calling. It wasn't telemarketing. Right, right. And I would talk to them and I remember being like, well, let me put you on hold real quick. I just got to, you know, put your, your numbers in here. I was putting them on hold because I went to my boss to be like, hey, she's got like a 505 credit score. What is how, that? How, is, is that really bad? I don't know. That's, that's awful. <laughs> I mean, you really shouldn't apply for a home loan for anything under 625. Okay, okay. And she was at like 505 and wanted to put 2% down. And oh my gosh, okay. So I was like, how do I let her down? He looked at me going, what do you mean let her down? I'm like, well, just what? And he goes, we'll find her a loan. We did. It was at like a 12% interest rate, which is insane. <laughs> oh my gosh. And he's like, we'll, we'll figure it out. And I still don't think I closed that. She was still like, I don't know. Maybe because it was in my voice. I was like, I could hook you up with this. Don't fucking do it. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I just but, felt immoral doing it. So I think I was, the base pay was like 10 bucks an hour. And, I, and it was my best friend I was working with. Um, so we would just go to lunch. And that was by the uh, Schaumburg Improv Comedy Club. 
The oh yeah, one of those big buildings right over there. So right. I, I just enjoyed. I had that job for like two or three months before the government shut them down. Wow, yeah, really? Nova Star Mortgage, all those subprime places just got shut down. Dude, incredible. This, this is wild. Like this, that was that was the previous recession. You were there. You were inside of it. That's. I was telling people before it happened. I was telling friends, um, wait, don't buy a house yet. Wait a little bit. The prices are going to drop. Wow. I was telling people the economy is going to go to shit. Uh-huh. And some believed me, some didn't. Right. And then they're like, didn't you get, didn't, were you a professional poker player a month ago? And you're like, well, I know, but now I'm a mortgage broker. Uh, I don't know anything about stocks though. So if I, some people were like, well, if you knew it was going to crash, why didn't you make money off of that? I'm like, I don't know what shorting a stock means. I didn't yeah. know what, I didn't know how to bet against the United States economy. <laughs> I just knew I, I just wasn't going to invest in anything. I didn't know what was going on. You know? I got so mad at a guy in Las Vegas one time. We were having fun playing um, craps and he was betting against it because you can bet you know that we're gonna roll a seven up top and i was like you're you are ruining the vibe my man because like what an idiot don't we're all having fun and you're up here being like i want the fun to stop and guess what it stopped and i blamed him um so that's fucking wild but okay throughout all of this you are starting to get into comedy did you always want to do stand-up no i originally so when i started when i first started working at the steakhouse I had officially dropped out of college in like December of 05. So I started the steakhouse in 2006. Okay. They just opened. I saw like a job fair to get, you know, at literally entry level because the place just opened. I was taking classes at Second City for improv and sketch writing. Okay. And I wanted to be a writer. I didn't really yeah. want to be an improviser, but I thought, oh, I'll take the class too because you meet more people. And I looked up. I was a big fan of like Harold Ramis and John Hughes, those comedies of like the 80s and you know 90s. And I think I saw that they had started as like working at Second City, doing improv, writing yep. sketch stuff. So I was like, oh, I want to go into that world. And um, I think I got to level C and I met this one guy who had did stand up. He was like older and he had did stand up for a little while. And he goes, dude, you should try stand up. You kind of have like a real strong stage presence. I think stand up would be a cool thing. And uh, me and this comic, Jim Zekas, I don't know if you remember him. He was doing comedy for a little bit back then. We were like, let's go to an open mic. And we went to Pressure uh, Billiards Cafe. Oh, yeah. That was my first open mic. And I think I probably met you shortly, very shortly after that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I just was hooked from that point on. And that's like, oh, I want to do stand up. I always liked stand up. I never saw myself doing it. That's incredible. That's great. That's like, um, what? that's why like improv class, like that's why comedy classes, quote unquote, uh, people who shit on them, I'm like, you know, man, like it helps you meet other people. Like, they're like, don't necessarily believe everything you hear in them, but like suss out who else is taking it serious and fucking go for it. Yeah, it's a, it's a good way to meet people and stuff like that. I don't think, yeah, I think the best education you're going to get is just going out and doing it, of course. I know right. we all agree on that, but I think they do. They serve a purpose. It highlights stand up. I mean, I, I'm not, I used to hate on them too for a stretch. And then I realized, wait, I met some cool people doing improv, yeah. which you need classes for. So. Totally, totally. Um, Bobby, Billy, I mean, Billy Wayne Davis called, uh, somebody was like, stand up is the Scientology of art forms. And he's like, no, improv is the Scientology of art forms. They want your money and there's a hierarchy and like stand up is no money. You just go and you have to hang out with psychos for three years and then you find four friends out of it and then you move on from there. I would 100% agree. Scientology, improv, definitely. It's way more cult-like. Yeah. Because um, I remember everyone in the improv class was like, oh, we're going to go to this bar afterwards. And I was like, oh, um, I'm, I'm going to go hang out with the friends I had before I took this class. <laughs> I don't know if right. you guys need any friends. But then I started hanging out with them, of course. But of I remember course. it was very, they were, everyone was hanging out together and everything like that. But, Dude, that um, was, 
I mean, that was such a fun, I only lived in Chicago for like a summer, but then I kept coming back when I finished my degree at Iowa, uh, just because it was incredible to start comedy there at that time, because right before you and I were starting there, the whole, the, like currently the most famous comedians in the world were all doing free shows there. Like, you know, like that whole yeah. fucking Blurds crew was paving a, a path for us and then once we got there, it was just like the crowds were fucking great because the comedians were great, and we just got to build off that. It was incredible. Yeah, Kumail, Hannibal, I mean, so many big names. Were yeah, it was the best. And then when, and then right when you started, they all left. So there was a lot of stage time. It was great. It was a great place to develop. The, the, you know, there's some really fun audiences. I mean, there's some bad shows here or there, but it really felt like, you know, I remember when I moved to LA. Uh, I felt like, oh, I need to, I need to develop like a business sense now, which was weird because Chicago was just be funny and then go to four M bars afterwards. That's right. all we cared about. I didn't, yeah. dude. I was so like, oh, I need to have like a five minute clip ready to send. I need to do a writing. I was just dumb about stuff like that because in Chicago we didn't care. It was just like, are you good? Are you funny? Right. That's I, all that mattered. Yeah, I remember when I moved to LA from just straight out of college, I, I like, you know, recorded like a three minute clip or smart. something. Yeah, it was, turns out it was the right, was the right move for me. But, um, and, uh, cause I just knew when she, I would get stuck. I was dating a girl and I was just like, if I move to Chicago, I'll never leave Chicago. Uh, and I, and um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I was just like, I want to go to Los Angeles. I ended up going to Orange County, like a fucking idiot thing. And that was LA. But I sent, <laughs> I sent a clip to Eric Abrams, who was the manager of the Hollywood Improv. And he was so nice. He emailed me back and he goes, hey, um, don't send this clip to anybody else. It's really bad. Uh, just a heads up. <laughs> yeah. And then I remember years later, I told him that. And he goes, I did that? I was like, yeah, it was very nice, actually. And he was like, okay, good. All right. He's a nice guy. Yeah, I've met him a few times. Good dude. Um, incredible. So you're doing all this. You're doing comedy. Uh, and what are, you do what are you doing after the subprime mortgage shit that while you're like? So, yeah, I bartended at an Irish pub for a little while which was fun. It was cool. Uh, but again, like you, I needed a steady nine to five right. because you just don't, I was doing day shifts again. And I would work like one night shift. I do like one Friday night. And then I started doing like stuff on the road. Steve Byrne was bringing me out to feature for him. Oh, he's the best. Like the nicest dude. Yeah. And a lot of other comedy clubs. I mean, I could tell you, I could do a whole hour about Steve Byrne being an amazing human being stories. Um, yeah. He put me in his movie. He just made a movie and I'm a, I'm a radio DJ in it. That's awesome. Yeah, he's such a good dude. Yes. So, uh, what? Then my favorite job, and like the last job I had before I was able to like officially just make my money doing stand up, mm -hmm. was I worked at a warehouse um, in Chicago, like a typical Chicago warehouse, but it was like a shipping and receiving. It was like a daily deals website, so they get like bulk stuff, and then we'd ship it out. And I loved it because the guys that I worked with, I think like four of there was like six or seven of us. Four of them were like in a speed metal band together. Whoa! They all, they all had these crazy backstories. Yeah, One was probably, weird, probably weird names. What were their names? Like, like Squirrel? No, nah, they had some weird nicknames, I think. But they, all the names were pretty. The one dude, Will, had like the gauged ears, like the, okay. you know, the big holes in his yeah. lobes. They were all really nice dudes and extremely well-rounded. So I always tell people, like, you really can't judge a book by its cover. We started doing international shipping. And I remember uh, slapping on uh, a sticker or a label for... Um, Bruges, and I think that movie in Bruges with Colin oh, Farrell had just come out. That movie's fucking great. Great movie. Yes. Very, very good movie. And uh, the one guy next to me was like, that's actually a really beautiful town. I'm like, oh, you've been there? He's like, yeah. And in my, in my brain, I'm like, this is a dude who just reeks of, I've never left 
like Chicago or the greater Midwest. Maybe we go to Wisconsin Dells once a summer. Hey, hey, hey. That's great. That's fantastic. I'm not knocking it, but I'm just saying that's no one's dark. Where else are you going to get to North America's biggest water park? Where where else? The fucking Dells, baby. I went, I went twice. It's the only, I went on two vacations my whole life growing up, both to the Dells. Goddamn out of the park both times. Loved it so fucking much. The Wisconsin ducks where they take you on that duck thing. Yeah, yeah. My mom was like, that looks like it's for tourists. And I'm like, we're tourists. We're literally tourists. It looks yeah, so fun. We're too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this dude has a Slayer tattoo on his forearm. And okay. I said to him, I go, when did you go to Europe? He goes, oh, yeah, I've been all over Europe. And I was just like, I'm like, did your band go there? And he goes, no. In high school, I was in international jazz competitions. This dude has a Slayer tattoo on his forearm. <laughs> he was in international jazz competition. Oh, my gosh. And, he, and the way he said it always sticks out to me to this day. Yeah. He goes, I'm like a world-class trumpet player. <laughs> slides that in there. I'm like, holy shit, that's awesome. So that's then, so cool. I, he had all these great stories about these different European places he'd been to. And then oh. we had one guy who I love, but was really, a, I think, very slow, um, to put it nicely. Yep. He had a girlfriend cheat on him. And we found and the video was on a, a website that it shouldn't have been on. Oh, um, and no. And it, it got grosser because... Uh, I, a dog got involved in the Jeez video. Louise, oh yeah, no, it was, no, it was pretty no, horrific. We didn't watch it around him, but someone told <laughs> we someone. Didn't, we didn't watch it around him? <laughs> yeah, we should, I felt bad watching it at all, but someone, they, the one, all those dudes knew each other for a while. Right. The only reason I got the job was because the guy who owned the company um, took uh, comedy classes at the Edge Comedy Club. Which oh is a my Dave gosh. Comedy Club. A Dave Odd shout out. Wouldn't be a Chicago comedy talk without that man dude oh you know, Dave Odd, not to cut you off brooks but this i found out this recently so i don't mean to cut you off there but dave odd has over two hundred thousand tiktok followers incredible i gotta find him he forges he does like forging into the woods and yeah he's like stuff and he's got I, real big I, on TikTok. i got in a fight with him about how snakes suck and he's like no they don't like he got really offended um he loves snakes he just loves wildlife i remember i have a great i have another joe kilgallen story that i remember so listeners in chicago in 2008 dave odd was this booker who would run what he he had like the Chicago Center for Performing Arts, which sounds like a good place. It was not. Um, and he would do like fucking uh, theme shows. And one of the theme shows was he would pull two names out of the bucket. And it was who could get the drunkest. And then you'd blow and whoever was drunker got to do a set. Uh, I... I did a set. It was terrible. Then Joe Kilgallen comes up an hour later after drinking all day long, uh, wins on stage. You peed in a trash can. It's true. I, I pissed on stage in front of an audience. Yeah. I had my back to them. Yeah. And, and, then, an animal. <laughs> and then you passed out on the stairs during someone else's set. Yeah. I fell asleep. I was tired. <laughs> a long day. <laughs> I do remember that now. That was, Thank dude, you for reminding me of that. That was a fun one. I just remember that because I've told that story. So like, they're like, what was Chicago like? And I'll like explain that story. And then I'm like, that's kind of what the scene was. It was just like so weird. Man, that was such a fun, terrible idea. Too. Yeah. <laughs> it was a terrible idea. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So you all these guys are great. What's the moment that you were like, uh, I, I get, I, you're on the road enough. You think you're going to make money from shipping. Like, what was that moment? I try to kind of end on that a little bit. The moment in which I, I was doing You were like, I think I can, I think I'm going to get to make a living doing the thing I love. So I had gotten, luckily, uh, so Steve Byrne was taking me out a lot. And then the weekends he wasn't taking me out. 
because then eventually, you know, he rotates a bunch of different features. I was making enough connections with different funny bones yep. and then other comedy clubs where uh, some of the like smaller clubs were letting me headline, like, you know, by 2000, I think I headlined Penguins for the first time in like 2012. So I think I stopped working at the warehouse in like 2011. And they were cool about it. They had to lay me off. And the guys there, you know, because they were in bands previously, yep. they were like, dude, we had a choice of who to lay off. We know you're starting to do really well at comedy. That's you could great. do unemployment and we won't fight the unemployment. So you'd be set there. And it was, I was on unemployment for a while, but I was able to really focus on comedy. And those dudes were, I owe them a lot. Wow. So That's so awesome that like of all the jobs you had, the people you respect the most were the warehouse dudes. Cause like, Always, they, man. that's incredible. That's great. So you just got laid off and it just seamlessly went into touring as a comedian. So yeah, I was able to make enough, like the Midwest, what's nice about Chicago is there's like what, six major cities within a five hour drive yeah. to Indianapolis. So I got in with that club Morty's down there. And then you have Milwaukee, um, Appleton, Green Bay, Madison, which is we everyone knows is amazing. Yep. Cedar Rapids, Iowa, uh, Detroit, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Minneapolis is like six hours. Yeah. I was in club in Rochester, Minnesota. So there's a lot of like, you know, red, big cities, like I named them like mid-level size cities where I was cool enough with the clubs where they would have me sometimes twice a year. Um, and, and that was great. And then um, I would, and then in the off nights, cause that's like Thursday through Sunday, I would run a trivia night on like Tuesday nights or Monday nights. And on um, the trivia night, I got like 150 a night doing that. Dude, so that's, that's incredible. That's great. Yeah. It's like uh, 600 bucks just right there, I guess. Dude, that. fucking dope. Well, that's great. And now, you, what's the name of your, didn't you just put out an album? I did. I just put out an album, everybody. You could watch it on YouTube, the full like special. Uh, I self-produced it myself with um, this great guy, Toby McMullen, who's an amazing director. He's doing a lot of work with like New York Comics, Sam Morell and... Um, few other people he's working with now he's got a great eye it's called i didn't say anything bad full hours on youtube but you I'll could put, also yeah i'll put a link everything you know yeah i'll put a link to the youtube and uh spotify or whatever or just your website which i'm sure is down in this episode description thank you yeah it's all over those uh yeah my youtube well, channel i've got tons i've got like three hours of stand-up on my youtube channel now fuck yeah check it out i'll put a link in this episode description and um and it's also also joe is incredibly funny you will not be remiss uh you will be remiss i don't know how to use that word just watch it uh enjoy it it's fucking free content and it's funny um and your podcast you have also see it's weird i just changed the name to the joe kilgallen podcast but it's it's on it's called kilgallen's pub i just drink with people have a few drinks and we try to recreate bar conversation so it could get deep it could get silly it's, yeah it's just fun you know that sounds great i will uh actually listen i'd love to, to have you on man i want you on because i had you on my sports one back in the day and that was a lot of fun that was fun yeah i think i was i think i was in a bad place i remember uh, sleeping on your couch like in the middle of the day <laughs> yeah you were when me and maddie ryan were doing like we we're drinking on like the patio and you were like napping for a little bit. So. Yeah. I was, well, if Maddie's in town, it means we're out and about. And he's like, I got to go over to Joe's. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be alone. I think it was, I was in a sad place where I didn't want to be alone. And he was doing your podcast. And I was like, can I just come sit on the couch? And then, yeah, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. You're a very nice guy. You're always so cool to me. I really appreciate it. Um, check out Joe's podcast. Check out Joe's stand up. Uh, links in this episode description. Joe, it's fucking great to see you, man. Dude, great to see you too. Thanks so much, bro. This is Appreciate super it. fun. And, and I know you're a huge fan. You listen to every episode of Entry Level. So you definitely know that I always have the guests take us out. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for checking out Entry Level with Brooks Whelan. <laughs>